Jaguars are the betting line favorite to have the worst record in the NFL, but there's still some fantasy goodness to be found on this team. Hello everyone and welcome into another episode of Fantasy Football in 15 here on The Athletic. I am your host, Michael Beller, joined by Derek Van Riper. DVR, we have made it to the end of our State of the Team Series, team number 32 today. How you doing? Doing great. A little nervous now that we're going to need actual news to happen once our State of the Team <laughs> Series is over since we've uh, gone through the no news thing with baseball on Fantasy Baseball in 15. I'm really hoping we don't have to follow suit with football for a prolonged stretch. Yeah, not even kidding. I actually thought about that over the weekend. I was like, oh man, we, we, uh, we had this free month where we were just able to talk about these teams and now we're really dependent on the NFL coming back around for us and giving us a little bit of news. But we can worry about that tomorrow. Today, we are going to get onto our 32nd team, the last team again in this series. It's the Jacksonville Jaguars. And to talk Jaguars, we bring on the author of such hard-hitting football articles as Definitive Breakfast Cereal Rankings, Jake Seeley. Jake, what's up, man? What's going on? I like that. That's, that's the tease of all the stuff I've written. That's the big one. Is the, get the people fired up with my cereal takes. Just mention that I do milk first and everybody will immediately turn the show off. Yeah. Oh, well, I mean, I, I was astounded actually when I read the, the milk first part. So, um, I mean, that's per, really the perfect way to start this. It's almost like the Jaguars are the milk first team of the NFL. <laughs> wow <laughs> and now you just ticked off the entire fan base that's very, very well done we've ticked off everybody from a serial take and from the fans base yeah and all in about uh two and a half minutes too so uh, it's pretty good well one and a half minutes and looking at the timer here so uh, yeah doing a really good job here um jake how about these jaguars uh gardner Minshew uh was generally competent i think is a, a fair way to put it last year not spectacular but Gave you a few good games, leveled out uh, the Jaguars' offense after the Nick Foles injury. Do you think there's any bettable reason to think he would be anything different than that this year, whether it is good different or bad different, or should we just expect something similar to what we saw from him as a rookie? No, I think you could expect a little bit of an improvement. You saw more than anybody expected from Minshew in his first season. I actually don't think most people expected Minshew to even step on the field in the first season if you looked at what the plans were with this team and Nick Foles. So you're also talking about what you invest with this. is what Round six pick, you generally don't have a quarterback hit the field, let alone have success hitting the field in round six. I mean, everybody can go back and talk about the Tom Brady's of the world, but there was a reason – Minshew was around six pick and not to disparage him, but you know, there's questions about his ability to play in the NFL. It's not somebody who lit up the college game, but there were signs last year to see that he wanted to take chances, develop a quick rapport with DJ Chark, which is what we love to see. Uh, like some other receivers a little bit more than D.D. Westbrook with the rapport from previous quarterbacks and even Nick Foles. But there was enough signs with also the fact that he's going to take chances. He's going to be aggressive. He's going to run when he needs to. People don't realize what kind of runner he was. So as long as he continues to progress, I think that you could see somebody who could be a very serviceable quarterback. I think it look, I, I would say it has a ceiling. It's very similar to what I said about him coming out of college, is you hope he's Andy Dalton with more rushing upside. And that's not a bad thing. Like Andy Dalton was a top 15, top 12 quarterback for a few seasons there. Yeah, I mean, I see Minshew as a guy who's kind of a, a fun target in super flex leagues this year. I think he's more of a waiver wire streaming type when it comes to a traditional league where you're only starting one quarterback. But there are enough things he does well that can prop up his fantasy value. I don't think this defense is very good either, so I think that's going to drive the attempts quite a bit. 
Uh, but let's talk about the backfield relative to the rest of the industry. You are down on Leonard Fournette, RB18 in your rankings. He's on your do not draft list. So why do you hate Leonard Fournette? <laughs> it's so funny that everybody says that now when <laughs> just three months ago I was talking about how amazing of a value he was because you know, almost 1,700 yards last year and three touchdowns. All I kept saying was you don't get almost 1,700 yards and only three touchdowns. That's going to swing back in the other direction, uh, similar to the one year that Julio Jones only had three touchdowns. You just don't put up those kind of numbers and only score three times. But that was before they brought in Chris Thompson. That was before the rumors that they kept trying to move him during the draft time. And what it really comes down to, and the reason I put that do not draft and you know why he's overdrafted still, is it's not that I don't like Leonard Fournette. It's just that if you just chop off about 20 carries and then 50% of his receiving game work, which is where Chris Thompson comes into play, and possibly even Rykel Armstead, who we started to see in flashes at last year, we know he's a free agent. And that's why I say, you know, 20 carries isn't a lot, and then 50% of the passing game might sound like a lot, but if Chris Thompson stays healthy, it's conceivably not because Leonard Fournette's a dump-off pass catcher. He's not a route-running pass catcher, so I think that's where some people might see numbers and not see the real player. And again, I'm a fan of his, but if you just take away those 70 touches, well, no, the 50 targets and the 20 carries, he drops down to about 1,200 yards. And now 1,200 yards and three touchdowns, it's still a little bit under, but it's not as crazy as the 1700. So that's really what it comes down to. And then again, I go back to he's a free agent. What if at the last two or three games of the season, they really see what they have for Armstead for next year? So just a, there's a lot of baked in risk, in my opinion. Yeah, and a potentially a bad team, too. And you talk about the targets. I mean, 100 targets for this guy last year after 48 as a rookie, 26 in his second year. And he did that in just eight games, but still. You, know, you double that and you're at 52 targets. So to be double the pace that he set in any other uh, season of his career, I, I think with Chris Thompson in town, we just have to expect those target numbers especially to come down in a significant way. Uh, how about DJ Chark? This is a guy at the opposite end of the spectrum, at least in terms of how much you appear to like him. Number uh, Wide receiver 17 for you, a guy who I, I feel pretty comfortable assuming you like quite a bit, knowing uh, after all of our shows that we did together last season. Right now, if I told you you could take him, Draft DJ Chark at ADP and lock in last year's numbers. 73 grabs, 1,008 yards, 8 touchdowns in 15 games. Would you take that or would you roll the dice betting he can do better? Uh, well, two things. I would take that. And I would say I would definitely take that because that means he's going to finish higher than when I drafted him. And then two is I do think he I actually think he has wide receiver one upside. Uh, it's not just, you know, the arguments of this is going to be a poor defense and they're going to be passing a lot. And that's why we like Minshew and have concerns about Fournette. Like, just Chark on his own. And this isn't saying this to be like, look at me. This is to say that this is somebody who thought that Chark was an amazing wide receiver who could be an NFL. This is what I said last year. said he can be an NFL wide receiver. He has the all-around skill set to be an NFL number one, like not fantasy number one, an NFL number one. And even I didn't expect last year. And that's why I want to say this, because I don't think anybody expected him to break out in the way he did. So to see what he did last year, and similar to Minshew, is that he still has room to improve as a receiver. He's still not a finished product. So he improves a little bit. Minshew improves a little bit. Like I said, I could see Chark at the end of the year being in the wide receiver one conversation. I will absolutely take him at 17-18 where he is. And on a per-game basis last year, he eclipsed that. Yeah, when you look at how this team is treated from a fantasy perspective, you have Fournette kind of in the 30-35 to 35 range in most drafts and DJ Chark kind of in the 50 overall range looking at some recent NFFC ADPs. And then you have about a 100-pick gap before 
any other piece of this Jacksonville offense is really in consideration. So I think that that gives you a really nice floor for a guy like Chark in particular. As far as the other receivers here, Chris Conley, D.D. Westbrook, LaVisca Chenault, who are you most likely to invest in in 2020 and in what circumstances are you comfortable even throwing a dart on one of those guys? <laughs> None. <laughs> I'll take, I'll, similar to the Patriots backfield, I'll take the cheapest one, uh, mostly because, uh, so I mentioned it when we were talking about Minshew, there wasn't a real chemistry between him and D.D. Westbrook, and I think that's part of my concern is, you know, he did, that being Minshew, like Chark so much, but also he threw to Connolly and a little bit more success at times with Chris Connolly than he did Westbrook, so if Connolly's going cheaper, I'll take him. I don't think D.D.'s dead and done for, but I wouldn't be surprised that this is almost a wide receiver by committee, similar to running. Like, you just never know week to week to week. And I like Chenault talent-wise more than anybody else on this team outside of Chark. Like, I think those two could be a terrific duo for years to come, starting next year. He's a rookie, rookie wide receivers in general. He's got two talented wide receivers to overcome in the first place, and Connolly and Westbrook. And then, of course, we have the conversation going on of, like, training camps, how much team, you know, how much time rookies are going to get with a team before the season even starts. Is he going to be off to a slow start? So, I, I don't even really want to mess with any of them at this point. I'll just it, maybe take a flyer on whoever's the cheapest, but unfortunately, it looks like Chenault's going the most expensive out of the other three, so I'll probably end up with a Connolly or Westbrook share here or there. Yeah, and uh, we're all participating in the Scott Fishbowl, and Derek and I actually happen to be in the same league, coincidentally enough, and ours uh, wrapped up, I think it was Friday, we uh, wrapped ours up pretty quickly, and um, I, I swear, D.D. Westbrook was sitting at the top of our uh, queue, you know, just the automatically generated ADP-based queue for like three rounds. And every time I would be my pick and I'd come around, I'd see his name there. I'd be like, yeah, D.D. Westbrook, but I, I, I don't have him. I don't know who ultimately did end up pulling the trigger on him, but I just couldn't do it. And it's the, it, it is that the chemistry issue that you mentioned and obviously having a clear wide receiver one on the team in D.J. Chark ahead of him. That uh, makes a guy who has gotten a lot of love from the fantasy community for, what, like two or three straight summers now uh, be someone who just isn't really – drawing all that much attention here as we head into the 2020 season. Uh, at the tight end position, we've got Tyler Eifert. Uh, injuries have always been a concern for him, although last year, as you pointed out before we started recording this, played all 16 games, didn't do a whole lot with it. But you still look at a team that you know, doesn't have a ton of obvious target monsters, Chark, Chris Thompson's going to do what he does out of the backfield. And then you've got this amalgam of wide receivers who uh, from week to week really could be any of them jumping up as the number two guy. If I guaranteed you Tyler Eifert would play 12 games, would you be any more interested in him than you are? No. You could guarantee me he plays 18 <laughs> games and gets two more games than everybody else. <laughs> Interesting. Uh, like, the, the real thing is, like, we joked about it, and you said, you mentioned it before it came on the show, 16 games, and he did nothing with it. And, yeah, this is the Jaguars, and, yeah, we keep talking about how much they're going to pass, but – I kind of liken it to the Packers of years past, the Cowboys from last year, is where does the tight end even come in? When you have Chark, Conley, Westbrook, Chenault, I mean, we're not even talking about Keelan Cole, who might not even make the roster. They also drafted Colin Johnson, who just two years ago was a really highly thought of college prospect. Like, all these players, like, where's the targets? And then you're going to have Chris Thompson and Leonard Fournette in the backfield. What's really going to the tight end? And it's not even just it's not even just Eifert in his own right. It's also Josh Oliver. Like Josh Oliver, I think people have forgot that there was a big dynasty community excitement for him last year because coming out of San Jose State, that guy was the leading receiver. He was their number one receiver. Like that's how he was treated on that offense. 
he's kind of similar to that Evan Ingram mold where you don't really want him blocking too much, but he could just dominate the linebackers in the secondary from a strength standpoint, the speed for the linebackers. I wouldn't be surprised if just Oliver beats out Eifert on a, on a per production basis. So uh, it's not so much that I hate Eifert. We always wanted a full season from him because of how good he could be. But I just think at this point of his career, even healthy Eifert just isn't what he used to be. Yeah, I mean, it's it's interesting. You kind of mentioned just in passing, like from a dynasty perspective, the interest in Oliver. I, circling back to Reichwell Armstead for a minute, just thinking about this being Leonard Fournette's last season, potentially or likely in Jacksonville. Didn't really seem like they necessarily wanted him around since they didn't take the fifth-year option on him. Do you look at Reichwell Armstead as a guy who should get the opportunity? Is he a true number one back in the NFL? Can he be that good? Or is it really just more of a case where he's probably a complimentary guy and after Fournette goes, they're going to free agency to find their starter or they're going to the draft to find their next starter? No, I actually do think that Armstead has the ability to be a lead running back in the NFL. Now, I don't think he's of obviously of the upper echelon of a Zeke or a Barkley or McCaffrey or anything like that. And I probably wouldn't even put him in the conversation for that next group when you're talking about the mixes of the world. But if you're talking about running backs, that like when we think of fantasy, like the RB2s who maybe every single week see 15 to 18 touches, and they do have a complimentary piece, probably more of a strength back to complement with him. I mean, you're talking about somebody who actually has – good strength for he's 5'11 but he's almost I think he's pushing like 220 possibly even more he's got a good lower leg strength base and I think that's where you can see him leading a backfield but I don't think he's the like the quote-unquote bell cow you would call him just from a talent perspective he's good at what he does uh similar like like a Tevin Coleman like Tevin and they're not the same running back styles but Tevin Coleman's always been like a straight line he needs that compliment that's why him and Freeman work so well off each other so I could see that and I, I would definitely invest for that potential but you know, you bring that up, DVR, and I will say this is how you play Dynasty is he actually might also be a sell high and a buy low at the same time because there'll be some people out there in Dynasty they're going to pay through thinking they're going to get a guaranteed RB2 with Fournette out the door. But as you mentioned, let's talk about next year's rookie running back class. The Jaguars could take a, like a DeAndre Swift type and a, like Jonathan Taylor type in the second round like we just saw this year. Next year, and then Armstead is still a backup. Yeah, it's uh, quite the position he's been in. He's had a few years now in a row where uh, people have been almost waiting for Leonard Fournette to get hurt so Armstead could uh, be this guy who steps in and takes over a larger role. We haven't seen it happen, but still does have a little bit of appeal going into this season. Jake, that's going to do it for us here. Talking Jacksonville Jaguars. Thanks so much for uh, stepping in and doing this with us. Yeah, it's always fun to talk fantasy. You know that. Oh, it's the best, isn't it? And I hope we can keep on talking it without any breaks over the next, uh, what, six months here. Let's, uh, let's all keep our fingers crossed for that. That's going to do it for this episode of Fantasy Football in 15. If you're listening to this, you already follow Jake on Twitter. But just in case you don't, All In Kid is the handle there. And, of course, check out all his great work on The Athletic. It's not just the serial stuff. The serial stuff is maybe the most incendiary, but it's not just the serial stuff. There's a whole lot of great football, baseball, all sorts of fantasy takes that you're looking for. Jake's got you covered. If you are out there on iTunes, Spotify, anything like that, please do rate, review, and subscribe. And also check out The Athletic. Get yourself a free 30-day trial, theathletic.com slash football in 15. Fantasy Football in 15 will be back with you tomorrow, although it will not be a state of the team series. Until then, for Derek Ben Riper and Jake Seeley, I'm Michael Beller. Thanks for listening.